Welcome back. This is Simon Phyllis, and this is the Leading the Field podcast powered by the GC Index. We're here talking to people who are really leading the field in their space. They're people who are out there forging new relationships, making things happen, and basically enabling the rest of us to live better lives. And I'm really excited to talk to today's guest, Alex Hanratty, who I met a few years ago just as she was getting a new charity up and running and off the ground. So Alex, it's lovely to see you again. How are you? Good to see you. Thank you so much for inviting me uh, today. I, I'm well, thank you. I'm well. Brilliant. So Alex, welcome to Leading the Field. We've got a few um, fun things up our sleeve to chat about, but I'd like to um, get us started by you sharing a little bit with the audience. Tell them who you are and, uh, and, and what you've been up to most recently. Lovely. So I um, I have been in, in terms of my career, the, the not-for-profit sector, um, all my career, that's nearly 20 years of my sins. And I um, have really typically been focused on children and young people in need. Mm. So I started off actually in the private sector just for over two, two or three years in a, in a startup helping um, children with their maths and English then moved to the uh, not-for-profit sector running a small grassroots charity in North Kensington at the foot of the Grenfell Towers there seven years led a huge amount there um, in terms of thinking outside the box and that creative approach to dealing with, with problems or with some inspirational people there um, that really helped me. And then I moved into a more a strategic role, um, again, working with children and young people on some more of a national level. Again, it was a startup. Um, uh, I came in in year two, I think it was, as their second employee. Um, and that was helping children and young people access uh, bursaries to go to top uh, independent and state boarding schools. Um, and then from there, I started to focus more on the area of children being excluded from school and how we could address those problems. So I was a trustee of a school for children and young people who've been excluded. Um, and also I ran a very small uh, charity as we emerged from the pandemic, helping schools that work with young people uh, who had been excluded to improve their outcomes. And then it okay. was, yeah, and then that led me to set up uh, reconnected uh, to co-found reconnected um, a couple of years ago now. Um, magic, Alex, that's fantastic. Sort of tracing things back because um, it's only sometimes when we look back we realise just how much we've done, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, but I, I understand we were we were chatting before the show that um, you know you haven't obviously got enough on your plate, so you decided you would um, run a marathon as well, didn't you? Yeah. Do you know how it started? It was really last year where, because uh, I've been working remotely, it's so easy not to leave the house. So I thought, well, hang on, I can go for a walk outside, but it does take a while if you're going to get enough fresh air in your lungs. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to start running. So I started running and I literally started doing 10 minutes, 12 minutes, 15 minutes. And then I was really having dinner last February with a friend of mine who said, why don't you run the marathon for Reconnected? And I was like, yeah and I just made sense and I 
contacted my colleague Georgia and she was like, yeah. <laughs> so the two of us, along with five of our friends, um, thought, let's do that. And of course I thought, oh, I've got lots of time. Um, you know, it's going to be over a year until we, we get it all sorted. Um, you know, a, a work, work towards it. Um, but then I got COVID and then I got COVID again. And, you know, it was, and it lingered, um, and yeah, and then life gets in the way. So actually I've had to do a fast track training plan for the marathon. Yeah. Coupled with a serious bike accident I had in January, so it's touch and go whether I could run it, but I decided just in the last week or so that I can, because I, I ran a half marathon and I was okay. I was able to walk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's a three and a half weeks. Fantastic. Yeah. I like I like how, you know, a little efficiency conversation led to a marathon. So you thought it'd be more efficient to run than walk to get fresh air in my lungs. <laughs> yeah, um, that's no. So how many weeks have you got before that before you do your first marathon? Three and a half. Well, just over. Three and a half. Second okay. of April, the Brighton Marathon. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I've actually been enjoying the training as well, bizarrely. Uh, maybe not during the runs, but certainly afterwards. So what's what is it about the training that you enjoy? I I love being in nature. I, I live near the river. I love being in nature. Um I love the psychological challenge, physical challenge of doing that and working towards a goal. I love that. Yeah. I love just feeling like you're fit, getting more fit. Um, you know, in, in lockdown, it's very easy not to take exercise. It certainly was for me. I know some people got super fit. I didn't. <laughs> so <laughs> that as well. Um, and I think my father ran eight marathons and he passed last year. So I'm doing it for him as well. Um, and I love the teamwork side of it. Um, so I love training uh, side of knowing I'm not doing it alone I'm doing it with Georgia and our friends so ah, lovely and um, I was thinking about the, the your GC index and your results and and this marathon running and, and some of those reasons that you love it are absolutely aligned with the results you got from your GC index weren't they so yeah. for the for the listeners and viewers when you got your report back it showed you a um, a nine out of ten implementer, and then second and third were um, strategist and game changer, um, and, and then then it was playmaker and polisher, wasn't it? So um, I can see, you know, relating back to those numbers, I can see why the notion of running a marathon would be really, you know, exciting to you because it's a big challenge and it's something you can break down and beat keep incredibly active um in pursuing yeah absolutely i i did a values exercise a few years ago and uh achievement and growth were in my top five i think it was i i just I don't know just hardwired like that too well it gives me such a sense of achievement and and satisfaction um getting things done and meeting goals and even just the training you know five miles six miles 10 miles 13 miles you know you really it's very uplifting for me yeah but yeah. absolutely spot on <laughs> so 
tell us, Alex, how did you respond when you first saw your the numbers in your GC index? I immediately, so I thought I was a different, I thought I was of a playmaker um, than I was. So I was expecting that, um, but the implement side made complete sense and the strategic side as well. Um, and um, so, yeah, I, I, I was a little bit surprised, but then very quickly realized that was, you know, spot on for me. And actually it was quite enlightening to look at the narrative behind the numbers. That was yeah. helpful for me. And what um, what was it that led you to think you might have been more playmaker, if you like, in terms of your proclivities? I think I'm naturally quite a nurturing person. So the whole idea of orchestrating and getting people together does excite me. And I do enjoy leading a team. Um, and I enjoy leading in my personal life as well as professional, you know, with friends and mm. as well as with um with colleagues so that whole aspect of play i think is a big part of who i am as well um yeah so that's probably why and that's right and, and when we were exploring it and and thinking about it we we landed on this notion of that it's the it's our intentions if you like that drive our gc index scores so yeah. for you whilst you are naturally just a, a lovely warm person that loves to um forge good social relationships with people in in a standard let's say work context those relationships you see as being the best way and and and, you know, and a great way of ensuring that we're all doing the right job and we're all focused on the same goals and we're all you know aiming to achieve the same things if you like and so it's it's there helping you drive your implementer agenda if you like not in a not in a machiavellian way that's like right i need to manipulate people but just you you know that that works in terms of the best teams are the ones that achieve the most and so you you always got the you're always playing with those two things according to the to the numbers and as you said and in the in the words that sit behind that so if you think back over your career, can you see that in action? Can you see the your your proclivities, if you like, in action? In terms of my implementer role? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and actually it's interesting because I got as I got this the index, I was working I do part time work for a charity called the Nehemiah Project. And there I've uh, been tasked with setting up projects for them and it's so implementer focused and I've really enjoyed it so that has been very interesting because I was able to directly see very obviously how much I enjoy that side and actually that was also plays to my strengths so uh, uh, yeah and, and there have been various projects that I've set up for them and I've been able to tangibly see the milestones achieved in in partnership with the rest of the team there. So it's been really, it's been, yeah, it's been an interesting um, discovery and also, yeah, enlightening, I'd say. Mm. And quite often we see in um, people's careers that the, the biggest decisions they've made, if you like, the ones which 
um, they felt stirred to make as opposed to forced to make um, quite often correlate with their their strongest proclivities. So have there, have there been um, times in your career where you felt your implementer was being squashed, if you like, or you didn't have that opportunity to make things happen and, and make a tangible difference and therefore decided, no, I want to, you know, move on and, and get something different where I can do more of that. Definitely. So I was in a role, um, I took on a role a few years ago, which I felt um, I'd have a bit more responsibility and autonomy within the role. And that's how it was sold to me. Um, mm. And then as it wasn't what I thought it would be. Um, and I, my hands were tied. I was unable to move things forward and it became untenable. So I had to resign. I had to resign. Um, and it was the right thing. And it felt, you know, I, I'm a firm believer of going on your gut instinct. So trusting what your, your heart and your, you know, your, your gut says. And the right thing, even though it didn't logically make sense, because I left it without a role to go into in the pandemic. So it was okay. quite But then what that leap of faith led to me setting up Reconnected. So yeah. it's interesting on how these things can, one thing can lead to another that seems, you know, a negative thing at the time. But actually, there's fruit and there's positivity from any challenge that you experience. And I learned a huge amount in, in that role. Uh, where I wasn't able to, to implement. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about where I think my strengths lie, what, a lot about the kind of people I need around me um, in order to be able to flourish and to succeed and to achieve. Um, so it was a fascinating experience, although very challenging at times too. Yeah, brilliant. Alex, we're gonna take a quick break, but when I come back, I'd like to find out, ask you much more about Reconnected and all this amazing work you're doing and really excited to hear that so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back in a few moments welcome back to part two of leading the field with my special guest alex hanratty we've been talking about alex's career today and her implementer energy which has sort of carried her through a whole load of fun tasks not least of which is preparing for the first marathon in a couple of weeks i'm i'm laughing because it's just such a ludicrous thing to do but anyway <laughs> it's um actually alex at the end we can we can share um where people can maybe donate to that once they've heard all about this wonderful charity that you've started so come on alex tell us about reconnected so I would say Reconnected is really the culmination of all I've learned in my career. Um, and I have co-founded it with two amazing and super talented women uh, called Belinda and Georgia, um, both of whom I've worked with in previous roles. Um, and what it is, is a, a social enterprise set up to help young people at risk of school exclusion to flourish in mainstream schools. So school exclusion is a, a, a national problem if children are excluded from school. They've got a one in two chance of going to prison. Um, 
they have one in two chance of not uh, going into training or employment at the age of 16 and having a sustained uh, destination. Um, they're much more likely to have mental health issues, have special educational needs, uh, be in care, be very, very vulnerable. So they are the most vulnerable young people. And you can imagine if a young person's got loads of trauma happening in the home, it could be out through addiction or domestic violence or debt, poverty, then those young people are less likely to want to turn up to school and less likely to want to attain. So our focus is helping those young people who are extremely vulnerable in areas of extreme deprivation to succeed. And how we do that is we have a trauma-informed emotion coaching model where we mm -hmm. upskill and recruit local people from the children's communities and deprived areas. We've got lived experience is of the issues that the young people face. To go in and work intensively with a small group of of young people aged between about nine and 14 to help them with their mental well-being and their self-regulation so they make better choices and then they're better able to cope with life, better understand themselves, better understand others. And so through those improved relationships, they are then better able to learn and attain and achieve their potential. So we work, the coaches work not just with the young people, but also with the families, which is critical, and with the school. Yeah. And we are place-based. So what I mean by that is that we, um, uh, our, our pilot is in Sheffield, so northeast Sheffield. Um, and we are, you know, I'm not, I'm not from Sheffield. My father was born in Chesterfield, just around the corner. But um, none of us, Belinda, Georgia, and I, are from the area. So we have, um, work, we're working very close in partnership with the multi-academy trust Brickanity Learning Trust and they are employing and match funding coaches so that those coaches are integrated into the school community which is critical and the idea is we're having a three-year pilot we want to work with up to 100 young people and then through that the ripple effect will be a further thousand peers teachers and family members that will have um a positive ripple effect as a result of the improved, better mental well-being of those young people who are are really struggling. So that is our idea. Um, it's exciting. We 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 got our second coach. So we form we um re we're really new. So we constituted only in December 2021. So we're only just over a year old. Um, we employed our, we started the, the, the actual program in January, so just two months ago. We've got our two coaches now in, in post. Um, we've employed a fantastic coach supervisor as well um, to provide additional support and mentoring to those coaches. The two coaches are alumni of the school that they are supporting, so they really know That's that school very, very well. Um, and they've been brilliant. They've been amazing. They are very passionate um, about supporting these families and they have got lived experience of the issues and they are, they're great and the school have been great. And then we're also uh, trying to provide additional support through local business and other local organizations so that we, we're very much a partnership organization. So working with the community to help, help them. So. Excellent. And where where did the idea come from, Alex, to set this charity up? I mean, well, actually, 
let me correct myself because as you said it's a social enterprise not a charity and there is a subtle difference there um but where where did the idea come from so i have a personal experience of exclusion and my brother was excluded from school so i saw the impact that that had on him and his family and he is very bright but he, he struggled in school and it just broke my heart to see that he was not able to fulfill his potential because he was an academic and um so there's this innate deep desire to help to change the system so that young people who maybe aren't academic or are very bright very good at a particular area can shine in the area that they need to shine so that's a fundamental driving force um it's also a really big problem it's a really big problem and it's not very well understood the mm-hmm. uh the whole um system at the moment for young people who've been excluded is very fragmented um and very misunderstood um and it's also incredibly chaotic um now the government is definitely shining more of a light on this in recent years but there's still so much work to be done um so it's a really big problem uh and so we felt let's go where the need is um Belinda also uh and Georgia and I have have all got a real passion for working with young people um you know I I work part-time with with um men who've been incarcerated for crimes related to addiction and a hundred percent of them have had childhood trauma or been excluded from school and it takes as you can imagine and the listeners will understand it takes so much more work and is so much harder to change when you're older than it is so we will start early and help those young people before it gets to a stage where it's just almost impossible to change and in terms of this the help and the support that you're providing. So you're providing these coaches and it sounds like they're doing a brilliant job. What is the outcome that we're trying to achieve? Now, obviously you said these young people making better choices, but is it is the intention to get them back into school or to um, set them up to make great choices of whatever uh, avenues they choose? Both. Uh, so abundance... Okay. From the pandemic, school attendance has really been affected for uh, mm. the pandemic. So it's to get them regularly in, to improve their attendance. It's also then, of course, more time in school, more hours in school means they have a greater chance of attaining. It's also to help them to reconcile some of the conflicts that they are feeling within themselves. Some perhaps their distrust of the education system parents as well it's to build those bridges that have been damaged as a result of childhood trauma adverse childhood experiences so it's the the outcomes are for improved attendance and improved attainment your exclusions both suspensions so fixed term and and permanent exclusions And also a greater engagement with school. So that could be, for example, attending um, additional extracurricular activities, after school clubs. It could be just engaging more in school, doing homework, 
reduced attentions, mm. etc. So it's that general participation in the school community which we are tracking as well. You know, obviously what we're here doing and, and, and chatting about is all about leading the field. So you're out there doing something, filling a gap in the current system in many ways and, and helping the people around you, if you like, understand that message and understand why this is so important. On a day-to-day -day basis, what, what motivates you to keep going? Because this is hard work, let's not uh, pretend. Getting something up off the ground, getting funding through the door, yeah. helping to identify all the key people that need to be involved, getting the partnerships in place. We're talking about a lot of activity and it's largely driven by you and Belinda and Georgia. So what is it that keeps you all motivated? Because there'll be lots of people listening who have ideas big mm -hmm. things that they want to achieve yeah. um, and I thought more than most people with your high implementer energy if you like you would you would have some good insights as to um, you know what it is or what's required on the motivational side of things so the first thing I should say is I never ever thought I would be a social entrepreneur uh, I've got friends uh, who have set up their own businesses and I heard horror stories of them working every hour of the day and not making ends meet and I thought who would want to do that well in truth I was forced into this I, I mean I, I think I mentioned earlier I left a job without a job to go to and then I had this blank canvas in front of me and it was really Belinda's inspiration she said Alex why don't we go alone let's just see what we can do um and so I then felt, well, let's explore it. Fundamentally, also in terms of my motivation, um, I'm a woman of faith. So my, my faith has really been a strong uh, motivator for me. If I felt that God was drawing me in a certain direction, I couldn't say no. I just had to follow it. So coupled with that, the strong intuition and gut feeling. So when Belinda mentioned the idea to me I, I I went for a walk along the river and I felt so excited I couldn't get the idea out of my head and I thought this is crazy we're emerging from a pandemic I need to earn some money I you know how where's it going to come from where's the funding going to come from but I just couldn't say no it's like I just had to do it and then I've been so pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who including yourself who've offered their time their skill set, their experiences to help shape Reconnected. We are very much a product of all the people that have helped shape Reconnected from its very early days. We spent a year and a half building the model. So the motivational aspect has also been a really exciting one. I found the whole creative energy around setting something up very exciting. I love thinking trying to think anyway at least outside the box and how I can meet a challenge in a creative way and think about oh well let's just not think narrowly let's think let's cast our net wide and see what might come of it I really enjoy yeah. that being so pleasantly surprised by the amount of people who've offered to help us so the creative energy the sort of intuition and the faith and also I work with such lovely people and, you know, you want to, I want to do things with Belinda and Georgia, you know, I want to create with them. The school community up in Sheffield have been, welcomed us and Sheffield Council and, you know, the, 
the, the partners have welcomed us with open arms and I feel like there is you know it it's it lots of doors have opened so you know now having said that there's obviously many challenges that are um are going to come our way and you know we've also you know funding obviously is an is an eternal challenge uh and it's not easy um we've had to think really outside the box and in terms of that as well (laughs) since running the marathon um year one was always going to be tricky because people find the idea exciting but they feel it's too much of a risk because we're still early early and we haven't yet got evidence of impact which i can fully understand but yeah yeah it's it's been it's uh but i do feel if you just trust the flow of life if you trust it and you do your best there's also allowing room and and space for miracles to come and, and opportunities to arise as they do they do they consistently do if you put that that you know if you take that leap of faith I do feel you were caught, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. No, uh, that, that's brilliant. I, I was actually talking to somebody earlier on who was, who's just getting her business up and running and there's temptation to pick up, um, some sort of quick and easy work back in with her old employer. And, and we were talking about, but is that work? The, the work that's calling you is that the work yes. that sets you alight and it isn't but it's a le- there's a level of security about it there's a level of um you know known uh, known territory if you like but it, it's it's helping her see that if you do make that leap of faith um then other opportunities will start to open up for you because it's very clear then the path that you're trying to take so other people will automatically be able to see how they can support you, where they can where they can get involved, and how they can help you move forward. Um, so, I'm hoping that she'll listen to this episode as well, and and listen to and be inspired by what you just said there, Alex, because I think it, your story resonates with me and and a lot of other people as well. So that's great. It's interesting. I just this morning, as I was doing my one of my training runs, was listening to Brené Brown daring to lead. I don't know if you yeah or read it but she talks about courage and the importance of courage and she says courage comes very close fear and courage are very close you know you can't almost have courage without having fear as well and that has certainly been my experience I mean yeah I do feel do feel sometimes anxious about the future and ensuring we've got the funds to meet the need but also we look at the risk and we look at our growth plan versus our, our risk strategy to help mitigate those risks that so we've got safeguards in place and being as proactive as we can. Um, I think we do also have to just sometimes take a bit of a risk and yeah. just hope for the best. So that sense of optimism, I believe, is really important as well. Um, it's one of our values and just hoping for the best and doing what you can you know, we're all human, we're all going to make mistakes, but just allowing, you know, taking that leap again um, and just trusting that it will be the best outcome. Even if, there's a, even if there's a problem and there's a challenge and you have a slight detour, there's something you can learn in that detour. 
So I think that's, you know, essentially it's that believing in the good of life or, or however you want to, but to name it. Love it. Alex, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you today and hearing all about where you've got to so far with Reconnected. I'm absolutely certain it's going to keep going from strength to strength. Your vision is amazing. And uh, I do encourage people to find out more if they want to do that, Alex, how can they find out a bit more about Reconnected and maybe even support you also with your fundraising efforts in this marathon adventure? Absolutely. Well, um, our website is www.reconnecteducation.co.uk. Um, so we are uh, known as Reconnected. Um and our marathon sponsorship is a crowdfunding page through Just Giving. Um, again, reconnected. I can certainly put it in the chat or, or, or however works. But um, yeah, you can find it through Just Giving crowdfunding uh, and then reconnected there and helping young people face adversity to flourish at school and home. That's how it's, that's how it's, that's the title. Perfect. Thanks, Alex. One last thing before you go. We've got a playlist um, called Leading the Field, and I'm asked all my guests, can you share with us a, a tune that's maybe accompanied you on your journey or something that really inspires you? Could just be your favorite track of all time. Who knows? Something that we can add to the playlist. What have you got for us? Well, I've always loved, ever since I was little, you two. Um, and uh, being a 90s girl etc um and uh so you two's one i think is one of my favorite songs of all time i love it i just love the tune i love the words i love its mission um i i think it's it's just such an uplifting song so that would be my ah wonderful selection what could i expect that is brilliant thanks alex um that's what makes a worthy addition to the playlist good luck with everything and do come back and tell us uh once you're maybe when you're flying in year two uh, come back and, and tell us more about how it's going we'd love to hear from you but until then good luck with everything and we'll we'll catch up with you soon thanks so much simon and thanks for all your support you've been a part of this journey too so it's been a pleasure thank you my pleasure alex You've been listening to Leading the Field with me, Simon Phillips, and my special guest, Alex Hamrati, the CEO and founder of Reconnected. So um, we will see you back here again for the next episode. Until then, keep smiling and we'll see you soon. Cheers. <laughs>